Welcome uh, again to Grace, everyone, and welcome to everyone watching online. It's good to have you guys all with us. Uh, if I haven't met you before, if you've come in the last five or six weeks, uh, I may not have met you. My name is Pastor Jeff, one of the pastors here. I would love to meet you and uh, get to know you and, and know your name a little bit and uh, would, lo- would love to say hi to you, so please do that. Um, I don't often wear Christian t-shirts when I speak, but... <laughs> Sometimes when things are just so aligned with the heart of God, I feel like I need to make a public statement about it. So um, I did. And of course, his will is at work. And I think we saw that. And so we're all grateful for it. But uh, it's a fun weekend and uh, really excited to be home and uh, be back with you again. And we're kicking off the, uh, our Christmas season. And so that's a blast. And uh, what we're going to do this Christmas season is we're gonna talk about this new series we're doing called When We Saw God. And we're gonna look at different people in the Bible, especially the Old Testament. And we're gonna, we're gonna see how they might've had kind of one perspective on God, but God interacted with them. Maybe he asked them to do something kind of weird or uh, interacted with them in a, in a very, very special way. And that interaction uh, caused them to see the heart and the mind of God in a different way. And then we'll look and, and kind of look and say, oh, that, that still works for us, right? That when we see God and we see his heart, we see his mind clearly, uh, it's a life-altering thing that happens. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of play with that and see how all of that winds up kind of being answered and crescendoed uh, in the Christmas season. So I think it's going to be a fascinating time together and uh, I look forward to going into that. Uh, before I get into kind of the, the, the meat of that conversation... I thought it was really, really important that we, we stop and we, we have a very uh, fundamental conversation that will allow us to understand the rest of what we're talking about in a big way. And so this weekend, I want to address a question. It's a very basic question. It's not, it's not a confusing question or a, a, a detailed question. It's a very, very basic question. But the answer to the question is life-changing, and it's a very fundamental question. It's, a, it's at the foundation of our belief. It's at the foundation of our faith in God. And really, it's at the foundation of life. And it's a fundamental question that has to be answered by every human being or the rest of life doesn't make sense. So when we get the answer and we lock the answer in, and the answer is not confusing, the answer is profound though. And when we lock that answer in, it puts our life on a different trajectory. It's literally a life-changing thing that happens when we answer this question and answer it well or answer it the way that God would want us to answer it and really lock in and, and move it forward in, in a different direction. The, the question comes out of a conversation I was having with a friend. And uh, we're sitting down together and we're talking about life and we're talking about the struggles and, and the kind of the frustrations of life. And uh, they were going through a, a difficult time and uh, we were just kind of talking about that, you know, and, and, and she asked kind of a, a basic question and she said, listen, she said, if life is full of stress, and it is, right? It is. And life is full of trouble and life is full of trouble and life is full of pain and it is full of pain and life is full of loss, which is really what we were talking about as a, as a very profound loss that she and her family had gone through. She said, if that's what life is, if, it, if it's pain and it, it's trouble and it's loss and it's frustration, here's the question. She said, why did God put us here in the first place then? Like if he knew that's what life was gonna be, and it is, 
And he knew that we were gonna go through these times and, and, and a lot of times those, those times dominate our life. Then why would he have created us and put us in the middle of that in the first place? And it's a very basic question, it's a very fair question, and it's a very profound question. Why, why did God put us here in the first place? Why would he have created us and put us into the middle of all of this? And her analysis of what life is like is actually very accurate, right? Uh, sometimes I say that life is a series of trials and struggles occasionally interrupted by moments of peace. And that's the way life is, right? Life is full of stress. Life is full of trouble. Life is full of trials. Life is full of mountaintops. And life is full of loss. And those things hit us in differing degrees, right? Uh, sometimes it's, it's the loss of a, of a pet. And then sometimes it's the loss of, of a child or something that's very apparent, something that's very, very profound. And that is life's journey. We all kind of know that. It all is kind of ever present in one degree or another in our lives, whether it's stress at work or stress over the turkey not being ready or whatever, right? It's all those kind of things combined. Occasionally, everything goes exactly the way we want it to go, and then we wake up from the dream, right? And we're kind of back to reality. And she was just asking, if that's what life is, and God knew that, why did he put us here in the first place? And I thought it was a very, very fair question, very profound question. What, what is our fundamental relationship with God and what was God thinking when he created us and put us into this planet? Now, what I kind of did with her was this. In response to her question, I asked her a question because I know her a little bit, know her, her husband a little bit and, and know their family some. And so I asked her a question. I said, let me, let me ask you this. When you think about why God put us here in the first place, let me ask you a question. Do you and your husband want to have kids one day? And she said, yeah, we, we really want to start a family one day. And I said, why? Why would you want to do that? Why, why would you want to bring someone into the same mess that we're looking and saying God brought us into? Why would you want to create a life and, and bring that life and put that life on the planet? Why, knowing that life is stressful, life is painful, life is difficult, and life has loss and all the things that we know is true about life, why, why would you so look forward to creating a life and then bringing that child into what we know this reality is? And we sat and talked about that for a while and she said, well, we want to love a child we want to enjoy a child. We want to live life with the child. We want to be loved by the child and enjoyed by the child. And what happened was pretty soon we were able to look and say, oh, even though all of that is true, the wonder of life and the joys of life and the fulfillment of life always outweighs the struggles of life. We don't have to deny the struggles. We don't have to live in denial. But when you really step back and say, no, the, the, the joy of being loved and loving outweighs all of the potential downsides. In fact, some of the downsides we know are going to come, right? We know that loss is going to be a part of life, but the, the life and the love we shared before the loss, right, motivates us and helps us to go through it. Now, some of you aren't into kids yet, so let me just ask you this, and, and maybe, maybe the question is, why, don't you, why do you want to have kids? Maybe the question is, why, why do you want to fall in love with someone? Why would you want to do that? Well, why, when we're sitting alone, do we think, oh, I want to love somebody and be loved by somebody? I think it'd be great if I could meet somebody and fall in love. And Why would you want to do that? That is a pain in the neck 
to love someone. In fact, most of the pain, trial, loss, and stress in your life is going to come from that person that you fall in love with. And it's expensive. It's expensive, right? So why would we want to do that? What, what motivates us? What is the deep longing in our humanity that would cause us to want to love someone or be loved by someone? And maybe you're, maybe you're done with dating. Maybe you just broke up and you're like, I'm done forever. So why do you want a dog? Why do you want a hamster, a guinea pig? Why do you want a cat? Do you worship the devil? Why would you want that in, in your life? What, what is it, even with like pets, why do we, because they're a pain in the neck, right? They pee, they poop, they eat, they're shed, they're, they're a mess. You have to go let them out. Why, what is it about us that would look and say, even though those things are stressful, even though they're costly, even though they take sacrifice, even though there's loss involved, right? I love my dog and, and she's old and we know that she's going to die, but we still love the dog. We still want the dog a part of our life. Why? Even though all of that's true, why do we do it? And I would, I would kind of make the argument that all of that part of our humanity is actually a reflection of God in us. And that when we understand kind of those things about ourselves, we'll actually start to understand God and we'll start to understand why God would create us, bring a life into the world and interact with us through it, right? So here, here's, the, here's the baseline of the conversation that I would go to, kind of the baseline argument. It's this, that I would argue that God created us to love, enjoy, and interact with us that understanding that very fundamental thing, like I said, it's very basic, but it's life-altering. Understanding that very fundamental thing, that the reason that I exist at the very core of who I am is that I exist to be loved by God and to love God, to be enjoyed by God and to enjoy God, to interact with God and, and for me then to interact back with God. And if I can pin down that very, very basic thing in my life, it will change my understanding of God and it will actually alter the direction of my life. Now let me show you where this shows up in the Bible a little bit. And let me show you kind of how God thinks and that these things are true. Okay, so grab your Bibles if you got them. If you don't, there's some there in the chairs. You can look at those or you can look at the, the app online and go to page one, all right? So let's go all the way back to Genesis page one, and let me show you some things about God that will hopefully start to make this make a little bit more sense, okay? So I would, I would kind of submit that God created us in a unique way so that we could be loved and love, be enjoyed and enjoy, and then interact with him, okay? Genesis chapter one, verse 27, talking about the creation of the world and humanity in particular, God says this, verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image and the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. What does it mean to be created in the image of God? God, when he created humanity, he created us differently than the rest of creation. So this is why we are not evolved monkeys. We are I know we share a bunch of DNA, but they don't have a soul and we do. We are different than that. 
We are different than the animal. When, when we look and say, my dog loves me, we're projecting all that. Your dog will love whoever else has it, right? So it, it, we're different than those kind of things. God created us in his image. In other words, God created humanity in such a way that we can uniquely interact with God and bond to God. So the rest of create, your dog didn't wake up this morning and wonder if it should go to church or not. Uh, your, your cat is not trying to satisfy, is there a God or is there not? I just don't know my purpose in life. Your cat is just thinking about killing you. That's all it's doing, <laughs> right? Your trees don't think that way. Only human beings worship. Only human beings pray. Only human beings, why? Because we're created in the image of God. God created us in such a way. Only human beings care about an afterlife. Why? Because we're created in the image of God. God created us so that we can think in part like God thinks, so that we can feel in part the way that God feels, so that we can long for some of the things that God longs for, so that we can love each other the way that God loves us. When your dog has puppies, and you give those puppies away or you sell those puppies, that puppy will not spend the rest of its life looking for its birth parents. But when you have a child and there's a spiritual bond, it's different. It, it's, it's reflective. It's reminiscent of God's love and bond with us. This is, a, this is what makes us uniquely human and uniquely created in the image of God. Now, God did that on purpose. He didn't have to do that. He didn't do that with the rest of creation. Fish don't think that way, right? Why did he do it with us? Because it goes back, it goes back to the very core of why you were created. He did that because he created us to love us and for us to love him, to enjoy us, for us to enjoy him, and created us to interact with each other. It's the very cornerstone of understanding life in my humanity. Now, I, uh, we also said God created us to enjoy us. God loves to bless us. Let me show you that. If you look probably just over the page, but maybe turn the page to Genesis chapter 2, you, you see another aspect of God's heart and, and mind for humanity. Look at verse 15. Uh, after God created them, he, uh, God, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are, to eat, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Uh, the Lord looked, the Lord God uh, said, it's not good for man to be alone, and I will make a helper suitable for him. So what is this? God takes humanity. God loves to bless us. He loves to enjoy us. And you see this in Genesis chapter 2. He takes man, he puts him in the Garden of Eden, and he says, everything you want and need is right here. And it, and it wasn't like a, a basic diet, you know. It was like everything you want is right here. Enjoy it. God saw a, a missing part of man. He needed a helpmate. He needed a woman. So God's like, you know what? I don't, even, I don't even want you to long for that. I'm going to create a woman for you. And so he created Eve and gave Eve to Adam and Adam to Eve. And, and now even mankind has the ability to interact with mankind and the fulfillment that comes from that. God created you in part to bless you. He loves doing that. That's where that comes from in us. If you have kids, you know that the fun of Christmas 
is blessing your children, right? You're gonna get your package of underwear for Christmas, but you're gonna look and give them something that they really enjoy. Giving a gift to a friend, saying thank you to someone, giving yourself is, is the happiest parts of our lives. I bet you some of you uh, for Thanksgiving, and maybe instead of having a big shindig at your house, you went and helped with a homeless shelter or invited a needy family over or someone who you knew, like college students that couldn't go home. And you would look and say, that's the, that's the most fun we've had on Thanksgiving for years. Because we enjoy blessing, we enjoy giving, it's fun. Where does that come from? You ever see a dog share its food? Where does that come from? It's a reflection of God. It's us being created in the image of God. God loves to do that. He loves to do that for you. He loves to do that for me. And when we do that, we're, we're reflecting God. We're created uniquely in his image. Why? Because why did God put us on the planet that's full of pain? Well, because he loves us, wants to enjoy us and interact with us and be loved by us and enjoyed by him and, and interact with him. Now, if you know the story, you know this that Adam and Eve, when you see them in Genesis chapter one and two, you see them in the environment that humanity was created to live in, in perfect relationship with their creator God. If you know the story, you know that something happens. Sin enters the environment. Genesis chapter three happens, and Eve was tempted and Adam sinned, and sin now starts to taint and mess up and distort humanity's understanding of God and even humanity's understanding of themselves. And you see this in Genesis chapter three, again, across the page, look at, um, let's look at verse eight, right? Uh, they, Adam and Eve sinned. Then in verse eight, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from God, uh, uh, the Lord God among the, the, the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And the man answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? And you see this whole interaction between Adam and Eve and God. And in that interaction, you do not hear a honked off God. God's not, not God, he's not taking the belt off and giving a spanking. He's not mad. He's not throwing a fit. He's not stomping around. He's heartbroken. Adam, where are you? Well, I heard you, so I hid. Why would you hide from me? We don't hide from each other. What, do we, what is this? Why are you hiding? I was naked, so I was ashamed. Nate, where did shame come from? We've been in this garden a long time. There's never been shame. Where does self-consciousness come from? You, you've been naked your whole life. You've never looked at your body and felt embarrassed by your body. Adam, did you eat from that tree? And then, and then you see human conflict. She made me do it. You see human conflict break out. And our interaction with God, the perfect environment that we were meant to interact with God is spoiled now by sin. And sin comes in in Genesis chapter three and human beings, now all of a sudden I'm supposed to be afraid of God? You're not created to be afraid of God. I'm supposed to be ashamed of how God, you're not created to be ashamed of how God, this is all perversion of sin. And the war between Satan and God starts over humanity. It's called the enmity between God and Satan. They're, they're fighting 
for the affections of humanity and our relationship and our understanding with God is broken. And then that's where you see God has to break that relationship. Adam and Eve are out of the garden because God's perfect. Man now is sinful and imperfect and perfection and imperfection can't coexist. And it's not this raging, angry God. A just God, certainly. A vengeful God, but perfection, right? Not the way that we think of it. But this relationship is broken and it breaks the heart of God. Years ago, Heidi and I became friends with uh, some folks that struggled with addictions. And we actually met them in, in the middle of that struggle and just became dear, dear friends, loved them deeply. And, and, uh, they, and we ran around together and hung out a bunch together and she was uh, really pursuing sobriety and he was too. Eventually they got married and uh, we just were together a lot. And as they got married and were living in the same home together, um, she was pursuing her sobriety and having success with it and eventually was starting to be restored to her family and her children and, and he was struggling something horrible. And he would kind of be on the wagon and off the wagon and on the wagon and off the wagon and the cycle just kept repeating itself and repeating itself and repeating itself and finally she came to Heidi and I and said, what do I do? He, he keeps bringing this into our home and the temptation's overwhelming and I've got to stay sober and I don't want to go back and, and what do I do? And Heidi and I, after a long, long period, looked and said, you know, you've got you to sever this relationship. Not divorce, but you've you got to move out, you've got to break. Because his pattern of failing and falling and the, the sin that accompanies it, it, it's going to destroy you, it's destroying him. There's no other option but to put distance between this relationship. And so she moved out and he continued to struggle. Now, let me tell you, I love her. And, and she, when she broke that relationship, it wasn't with spite. Now I show you, you jerk. It wasn't vengeful. Oh, I'm gonna get my pound of flesh out of you, right? It, it, it wasn't any of those things. It was, I have a dream of what we could be and should be. And, and the, that dream is broken. And, and I want to, I always want to go back to that dream. If he could just stay sober, if he could hold the job, if, if he could, maybe, maybe this will shock him in and cause him to hit rock bottom and maybe... And even in the separation, the dream was always the reconnection. The dream was always, because she would see him sober and you'd see the wonder of who he was and, and his intellect. And, and then she would see all that distorted by addiction and sin. And you saw her doing what she had to do, but doing it in, in pain and, and with a broken heart. You ever have a friend like that? You ever have a friend that blows their life up and you hurt for them? You're not mad at them, you hurt for them. You ever watch your kids do that? They make a terrible decision and there are real consequences and you ache for them. You don't hate them, you hurt for them. And that's what our friend went through and she was faithful and he lost his battle to alcohol. He, he died of alcoholism. I believe he's with the Lord because I believe he really did love and accept Jesus, but that it defeated him. His addiction defeated him, right? 
And she was faithful to the end. And it didn't make her happy. And it wasn't, you're going to get yours. It was, when I lost him, I lost the dream of who we could be. This is very much the heart of God. He's not out to get you. He would have got you. He's not out to nail you for something. He would have done that. It's not the lightning bolt with your name on it. It's this passion to reconnect what you were actually created for. And when you read the story of the Bible, that's, that's what the Bible plays out. In the Old Testament, God was like, you know what? I'll create a nation, Israel. And the guys, listen, that's all you got to do. If you will obey me and love me and follow my commands, I will bless you. I will give to you. I will let you live under my blessing. But if you walk away from me, that blessing, I, I can't do it. And the whole Old Testament is Israel obeying and following and connecting, living for what they were created for and then walking away from it. And it's the ups and the downs, the ups and downs. Even get, in, get into the prophets. It's what the prophets, the prophets in the Old Testament, they, they would come out and they'd be like, you better knock it off. You are in sin. You're in a, a sinful relationship. You're rebelling against God. You must stop it. And then in every prophet, every book that's uh, of the prophets, there's always a but, but, if you do, and you come back and you repent of your sin, God will love you, he'll restore you, he'll rebuild you. And God, all through the Bible, you see this, this passion of God to reconnect humanity for the very things we were created for. We were created for a Genesis 1 and 2 relationship. We live in a Genesis 3 and following reality. And God wanting to look at us and say, I, I built you to love you. I built you to enjoy you. I built us to interact with. That's why you're on the planet. And until that's satisfied, life is never going to make sense. God's passion to reconnect with humanity is God's ultimate motive for Christmas. Christmas is, is the the ultimate play out of this plan and effort from God. He's always looking for this way, looking for a connection, wanting you to be on a path where you are tied back in to what he created you for. And Christmas, beyond like happiness and joy and, and all that's fine, but way deeper than that, Christmas is the play out of God's heart looking at you and saying, no, 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 I know there's pain, I know there's struggle, but there is this relationship with me and I created you for this. And God looking at his son Jesus and saying, if you would go, if you would be born of the virgin, if you would live with skin on, then you could make a way so that when people looked at you and interacted with you and received salvation for you, they could reconnect with me and it would cause their life to make sense and cause their life to be lived in such a way that actually brings them the blessing they long for. This is actually specifically what the Bible says. Let me show it to you. Flip way to the right in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. And the writer of Hebrews is explaining why Christmas played out the way that it does. And he says this, starting with verse 14. He says, since the children have flesh and blood, the children are you and me. Since we have flesh and blood, since we're human beings, we're not cats, we're not fish. Since we're human beings, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Christ stepped out of heaven, he became man, fully God, fully man. 
He shared in our humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death that is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery for the fear of death. For surely it's not the angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, that's you and me. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest and servant to God, and that he might make atonement for their sins for his people. What is the Bible saying? He's looking and saying, I so love them. They were created to be loved by me and to love me, created to be enjoyed by me and to, for, to, to enjoy me, created to interact with me. I so love them that, that this disconnect was killing me. I didn't want to move out. I didn't want to break the relationship, but it had to be done. They're living in sin and I am perfect and we cannot coexist. Jesus, if you enter their humanity, if you experience what you've never experienced, then you could relate to them and, and they could relate to you. If you could step out of heaven and for the first time experience hunger and thirst and fatigue and pain and frustration and loss and stress, then they could relate to you and you could relate to them. You have to be fully human. It can't just be like the spirit of Christmas. It can't just be like the idea of God loving us. It's gotta be like you with skin on start to finish. And if you could be born of the Virgin Mary and, and you could lay in the manger and grow up and go through everything that they go through, then you, without sin, could be the atoning sacrifice. You could pay for everybody's sin and rebellion once for all. You could die on the cross. And then you could be a merciful and faithful high priest. You could be the mediator. You could be the link between me and them. So when they look to you and they ask for forgiveness of their sin from you, and they believe in you, because they can understand you more than they can understand me because you enter their humanity. And they could understand what you did for them and your love for them and my love through, for them expressed through you. Then when they accepted you as the way and the truth and the life, they could come to me through you, Jesus, would you do that? And all of this pain and all of this disconnect and all of the why am I here and what am I supposed to do? See, all of it could be fixed through what we call Christmas. If we don't satisfy those questions, what we'll do is we'll try to shove all kinds of things in there. Uh, if I get rich enough, if I stay young enough forever, if I have enough sex, if I have enough freedom, if I just... And none of it ever works, ever, until the soul is satisfied. And God knows that. And he didn't create you so that he could fry you one day. He created you to love you, enjoy you, and interact with you, and vice versa. And only Christ does that. And when we receive the, the salvation of our sins from Christ, what happens? Ready? Ready? What happens is we return to a Genesis chapter 1 and 2 relationship with God. Now my sins cared for. Now I can interact with God. I can talk to God whenever I want. In fact, 
I can go into his presence through prayer. I can't do that when I'm sinful. I can do that when I have Christ. I can walk with God in the cool of the morning. I don't hide from God. I look forward to being with God. And he's with me all the time. God the Holy Spirit lives within me. I, can inter- I get to interact with God a lot like Adam and Eve interacted with God. I'm not ashamed of who I am because I'm a new creation. The old's gone, the new's come. That who I am and what I did doesn't even apply to me anymore because of what Christ, and what Jesus did is he made a way through Christmas. That's the start of it. That I can interact with God the way that I was created to interact with God. And when I lock on to that, and that very basic question, what am I here for anyways, is answered with a very simple answer that has profound effects on my life. It's a total game changer. It's a total game changer. Why do I feel better after I go to church? Because I was created to interact with God. Why why does a worship song calm me down? Because I was created to interact with God. Why does my blood pressure go down when I pray? Because I was created to interact with God. What causes all of that to work? What causes all of that to connect? What causes all of that? How was the path created for me to have access to the very reasons of why I was created. We would take all of that and we would sum it up and say, Christmas. It's Christmas hope and joy and peace and joy to the world. It's all of that. But it's that on the deepest soul levels when I really understand it when I really accept and believe what God was doing, when I really allow that to define my life. Because if there was one thing that we could accept, if there was one understanding of God that we could lock onto, it would be this, that God loves you and he has your best interest in mind. And when I accept Christ as my savior, Part of what I'm doing is by faith. Faith is choosing to believe in what I will not, what I do not and will not ever fully understand. We exercise faith all the time. I'm just exercising my faith when it comes to my relationship with God. Because, by the way, rejecting God takes just as much faith as accepting God. It's the same act. So I'm just choosing by faith to say, I know I don't understand everything. I'll never understand everything. But I choose to accept that God loves me and he has my best interest in mind, that I was created to love God and be loved by God. I was created to enjoy God and to be enjoyed by God. I was created to interact with God. And when I accept that very premise by faith, it will absolutely alter your life. It will absolutely change your relationships. It absolutely will alter what you give yourself to. It will make life make sense because you were created for this very purpose. And Christmas is God's grand plan to make all that accessible to you and me. Now, 
why don't we do this for the next few minutes? Why don't, why don't we just download? I told you it's a basic question with these hugely profound things, right? So why don't we take the next few minutes out of the craziness of life and let's be still and let's just wrestle with those questions some, right? So do you understand God in this way? Do you believe that he loves you and wants to enjoy? Do you, do you know that's the basis of life? Have you, have you inter, are you interacting with God this way, right? Is that something that you've chosen to accept and believe, right? And then, and then Christmas too, like all the materialism things, all that kind of stuff, absolutely. But at its core, is this your understanding of Christmas, right? And I would say that, just think about it. it. Even if you're not ready to like make a faith decision, would you be willing to like open your mind and at least investigate it more? Maybe you've never even thought about these questions. Maybe you don't even know if you believe this stuff. It's, that's fine. Could we at least have the conversation and, and kind of approach it in a different way throughout the season, okay? So I'm gonna pray for us. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and you think and pray. The band's gonna sing a song and then I'm gonna come back up here again and, and ask you another question. But why don't we just chill for a little bit and, and wrestle this stuff through, okay? Jesus, we love you. Thank you for loving us. God, help us to download this as the core operating system of our life. And Lord, even if you haven't yet brought us to a point of decision, if you could at least help us open our minds and consider you as a reality, consider you beyond a religious practice, but maybe consider this idea that you want to know us that you actually love us and that you wanna interact with us. So God, in these still moments, if you would just churn all that up in our heart and mind and, uh, and work in us and help us to be open to you doing that. Thank you, Jesus, in your name, amen. I love that word, Emmanuel. It's, it's uh, one of the names of Jesus, we say. It's one of the ways that the Bible describes him and it, it means God with us the song says is that's huge it, if you were ever going to get like a tattoo like get Emmanuel it, it's, it's huge here's what happens the Genesis 1-2 stuff that causes us to want to love and want to give and want to sacrifice and when that stuff is tainted by sin the things that are meant to bring us joy, bring us pain. That's the sin side of it. We were created to receive love and to receive joy, but because of sin, those same avenues bring us pain. So I want to fall in love, I want to meet her, I want to give my life to her, and she rejected me. So that, that fundamental passion to give myself now becomes a soul wound right I'm, I'm in the dorm room and I'm feel alone and rejected and I thought this was the one and the deepest pains of my life come there and it's all part of what we call the fall or the curse or sin right so in those moments when I'm in those deepest pains of life this is where the, you gotta get the tattoo. It, it's Emmanuel. 
God, you must have rejected me. You must not care about me. You must be mad at me. No, I'm not. I'm with you, Christmas, I'm with you. I I know all of this, but I I love you, I'm with you. I have to remember, it's hard, but I remember that suddenly, right? The the deep losses of life, it's the first Thanksgiving after the divorce, and it's the first Thanksgiving after the funeral, and and the things that we love, like we, the, these are the things that we love and are meant for, and, and now they've become pain, undescribable pain. And sin taints it all, and it's, well, God, if you were real, if you really ca- I, you wouldn't have done this, or you wouldn't have let this happen, and now I'm with you. I, I'm the God that, stepped out of heaven and died on the cross and and I know you don't understand and you probably won't but Emmanuel I'm with you I love you trust that have faith in that See, see how that works so the God that created us for these joys is with us in these pains and the Bible says he won't leave he won't forsake the Bible does not say we'll understand it all. What it says is that our God is faithful, Emmanuel, with us, Christmas. What the Bible also says then is that people who have accepted Christ, we love God, but then we love each other. And so we express God's love for us to each other. And, and that's what, here at Grace, that's what we believe a church is. We believe that it's people loving God and loving each other. We don't believe it's a religion, a religious practice. We believe it's, it's people loving God and loving each other. And if you are hurting or you are alone, or maybe you just don't even, you're like, I don't even know if I believe any of this. Maybe you just have questions. Those questions are totally legit and totally fair. Absolutely. If you want to process any of that, we would love to do that with you. And we would love to help you and serve you in any way that we can. Now, here's a prom. I will make you a promise. We will not do that perfectly. We will completely screw that up somehow because we're human beings that struggle with our sin too. But we will do that faithfully. We'll, we'll try our best and with the greatest of sincerity. And we want to love each other and help each other. And, and we believe that's what... Christ does for us, and that's what we then want to give to each other, okay? So the way that we connect with each other here at Grace is through those connection cards. So if you're in the service here, you have those in your program. If you got one, fill it out, tear it off, put it in the basket when it goes by later. If you're on the app, it's all right there on the app, so fill it out, send it in. We'll get it the exact same way. If you're watching online somewhere, Uh, fill it out there on the app and send it in and it's just like you're sitting here in the room and we'll get it and we'll connect with you and we'll do our best to like love each other because we believe that at our very core that this is what God does for us, all right? And Emmanuel reminds us of all of that. All right, I'm gonna pray and then after I pray, we're gonna sing a great song that, that talks about who God really is and who we really are because of that. So we'll sing that song and then the baskets will come around and then we'll, we'll close our service up. So um, let me pray and then we'll do that together. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that you were willing to come 
step out of heaven, put skin on, enter our humanity, and help us to see you for who you really are, see ourselves for who we really are, sinners that are loved by you, that want, need to be, that you want to forgive. And so God, help us to engage in all that. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the reminder, for the focus. And God, uh, help us to receive that on the deepest of levels. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. When we stand together, let's sing this song together. And it's the truth of who God is and who we are because of it. And let's download this. <laughs>